0: Good afternoon. I apologize for not having this live. I had a little bit of a technological snafu this morning at church, so I'm going to re-record today's message in the friendly confines here at home. Today we began a new message series called Living on the Edge. And I actually toyed with the idea of playing or using a song called Living on the Edge by Aerosmith as an introduction even thought about singing it, but because I've been suffering from bronchitis all week, I decided to take a pass. But if you ever look at the lyrics of that song, it actually contains some interesting thoughts. It begins this way. There's something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. We're seeing things in different ways, and God knows it ain't his. It sure ain't no surprise. We're living on the edge. Well, this new series is about giving yourself an edge in everything you do, particularly when the world seems to be kind of crazy like it's been in the last couple of days. It's about doing certain things and developing certain habits and attitudes and priorities that give you an edge as you face the challenges that life continually brings your way. So whenever you feel like you're living on the edge in the brink of a mess, uh, there are going to be four different things over these next couple of weeks that will help you get an edge in everything you do in this the, the first foundational edge is the core of what I would call the Christ follower's value system. I'm making an assumption right now that you have a relationship with, with uh, God through his son Jesus. And once you, you are in that system, when you have been justified by grace through faith, you now live out that sanctified life and you've now got a value system to follow and it drives every decision you make. And I'm going to call this first part the edge of the playbook. Now, if you ever watched a college game or a pro football game, you know that they put together a game plan. They decide in advance what they're going to do every possible game situation. If it's third and two, they've got a set of options. If it's third and seven, they've got another set of options. When it's third and 23, they've got another set of options to go by. Now, they make all these decisions in advance so that as soon as the whistle blows on one play, they have about five seconds to call the next play. And they've already got a good idea of what they want to do. And just like coaches develop a game plan from week after week, we need to develop our own game plan from our own playbook that we can follow day after day after day. Now, I'm guessing you can probably guess what that playbook is. It's the Word of God. If you want to have uh, an edge, a clear-cut advantage, you need to, first of all, know the Word, the Word made flesh, Jesus. Jesus and then know his word, and then build your life on the biblical principles found in that word. You know, the Bible tells us everything we need to know about how to live well. It tells us how to deal with adversity and conflict. It tells us how to handle our money, our priorities, how to navigate relationships, how to approach work, what kind of friends to choose, which ones to cut loose, how to manage emotions. But most importantly, it tells us how to experience and maintain that right relationship with God. The Bible nowhere guarantees us an easy life, but it certainly does tell us how to have a great life, a meaningful life, a blessed life, a life full of love and joy and happiness. And I can tell you that where I've made my decisions according to the playbook, life's worked out pretty well, even when circumstances around me seem to be falling apart. I can also tell you that every time I've abandoned God's plan for my life, i found myself constantly facing forth and long in a losing situation. And so, today, let's just consider the decision to build our lives on biblical principles. You've made that once-in-a-lifetime decision to follow Jesus, and now you need to make that rest-of-your-lifetime decision to build your life on biblical principles. It's what James would call a doer of the Word. I think it's like this. It's kind of like we, we first become a knower of the Word, that's Jesus, and then we do become a doer of the Word's Word, as we find in Scripture. Now, what if I were to tell you that there's one specific quality that determines whether or not you will succeed in life? It's a word that determines your level of long-term happiness, uh, your ability to deal with adversity, uh, your ability to earn money and keep it, your ability to create meaningful relationships, your ability to experience deep and abiding joy. What if I were to tell you that there is this one quality on which all these good things of life turn and that this one quality is yours for the asking? What would you say? Would you say, tell me more? Well, that's what I'm hoping, because that's what I'm about to do. The quality I'm talking about is wisdom. It's available to every believer who asks. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for asking. The bottom line is that without wisdom, life simply doesn't work. If you don't have wisdom to make good decisions, you'll end up making one bad one after another. But it doesn't have to be that way. God wants to give you all the wisdom you need every step of the way through life. <clears throat> Today we're going to take a look at Proverbs chapter 8. It's sometimes referred to as the wisdom chapter. And the chapter begins with these words in verses 1 and 4. Listen as wisdom calls out, here as understanding raises her voice. I call to you, to all of you, I raise my voice to all people. Well, with this little bit background in mind, let's start by asking what wisdom looks like. I mean, what it can do for you and where it comes from. Well, first of all, wisdom is easy to understand. It doesn't consist of uh, vague or mysterious riddles that nobody can cipher. I mean, biblical wisdom is down-to-earth and practical. Verse 9 of chapter 8 in Proverbs says, My words are plain to everyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Now, my big surprise when I first began reading the Bible as a young young man back at uh, St. John's in Seward, Nebraska, was that it contained a whole lot more than just those Sunday school stories about whales and arks and giants and walls that came tumbling down. It spoke to me about things that mattered to me, even as I was a young kid. Talked to me, for example, about the attitude I needed to have toward my grandparents who raised me about how I should approach my schoolwork, how I should do my job, and how I should speak to others, and how I should choose my friends, and on and on. Now, understand he had told me that I wasn't always really good on the doing part yet. Now, it was never a matter of reading the Bible and feeling like everything was over my head. It was a matter of trying to keep up with all that the Word was telling me to do. That's because the Bible, even in the midst of all the stories and the parables and the history and the apocalyptic literature, is still street-level practical. And it's full of advice that's easy to understand. But like I said, obeying, a bit harder. And second, wisdom looks a lot like common sense. In verse 14 of chapter 8, common sense and success belong to me. Insight and strength are mine. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It does say common sense. Now, other translations would say sound judgment or something like that. In other words, it just makes sense. I mean, biblical wisdom is good, solid, reasonable thinking. Now, sometimes we think we can get real spiritual and manufacture a kind of contrarian form of wisdom that flies in the face of common sense and sound judgment. But this kind of so-called wisdom rarely works out in our favor. Let me just give you an example. A year or so ago, a young man stopped me after a church service I was attending on a Saturday evening. He had heard that I was a pastor and he wanted to ask me a question. And what he basically asked and what he was telling me was this, that he and his fiancé were both unemployed, and yet they decided in spite of that that God was telling them to get married. Everybody, it seems, advised against it. And I said, like who? And he actually pointed across the lobby at his own pastor and pointed out his parents and her parents and a few friends. Now, by every sound and sensible measure, it really wasn't a good idea, and I suggested it wasn't a good idea. But he got married anyway, and uh, today, living with his parents, instead of being unable to care for one person, he's unable to care for two, and they have a baby on the way, and we just continue to pray. But common sense and sound judgment would have said, don't make this decision, at least not yet. Wait until the time is right. But you know something? He, He didn't want to wait. He convinced himself that common sense is just another word for worldly wisdom, and that supernatural wisdom means that you can make impulsive decisions and God will bless them anyway. Well, he discovered a little too late that this is not the case. Biblical wisdom, on the other hand, is easy to understand, and when you hear it, it just sounds right. It makes good sense. Third, wisdom is grounded in goodness. Another way to say it is that wisdom is grounded in integrity. Wisdom never suggests that we cut corners or play fast and loose with facts or take advantage of other people or that you gossip or backbite or criticize. Wisdom always moves you in the direction of integrity, excellence, and holiness. Verse 8 of chapter 8 of Proverbs, my advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. You see, friends, anytime you're thinking about doing something that isn't completely on the up and up, you can be sure that the voice you're hearing is not the voice of biblical wisdom. Beginning to the book of James, chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. So what does wisdom look like? Well, it's easy to understand. It's sound and solid and based on common sense and is grounded in goodness and wholesomeness, integrity and sincerity. So that's what biblical wisdom looks like. But now let's ask, what can wisdom do for you? Again, Proverbs chapter 8, and I'd encourage you to read this chapter many times over. It tells us three things wisdom can do for you. First of all, wisdom helps you make better decisions. In verse 12, I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. Now, have you ever known someone who made an off-the-wall decision based on a random verse of Scripture that really has nothing at all to do with their situation? Now, the fact is you don't need random Bible verses to help make good decisions. The Bible is already full of advice on how to make decisions in every area of your life. How to invest, how to plan, how to prepare, how to follow through, and on and on and on. Reading through the Bible on a daily basis gives you a solid foundation for making good, godly decisions. But second of all, wisdom helps you develop financial stability. In verse 21, those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. Now, I don't want you to think I'm preaching some form of prosperity gospel here, and I want you to understand that wealth here is a relative term. It's defined differently in different cultures. I mean, what Solomon is talking about here is financial stability and financial security. That's where true wealth comes from. The Bible is very specific about what should be our financial priorities. If you seek biblical wisdom in this matter, and if you will put this wisdom into practice, you're going to experience stability in your life no matter what happens with an economy. And third, wisdom helps you experience a fuller, more meaningful life. Solomon said in verse 32, listen to me, for all who follow my ways are joyful. And then in verse 35, for whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Solomon is saying that those who choose to live by wisdom receive a special blessing and a special anointing from God. They receive what we might call favor from the Lord. And that's because when you make your life decisions based on biblical principles, God is able to bless you in greater ways. Now, I've been saying all of this to sell you on the idea of pursuing wisdom. I mean, I want you to know that wisdom is worth the price you pay to get it. Wisdom guides you through every situation of life. Without it, you're left to your own devices. But friends, if you have it, if you master it, It will give you the edge. Your decisions will be better. Your financial life will be more stable and secure. And you will truly experience the joy of God's favor. So where do we get this wisdom? Where does wisdom come from? Well, I already hinted at the answer when I quoted from James 1.5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. The process of asking God for wisdom includes some specific steps, though, that you need to take. Step number one is to put wisdom at the top of your list. You may remember the story when Solomon became king. He kind of wondered what he was going to do, and God came to him and said, you know, ask for whatever you want. Now, I don't know about you, but on my list of things I might want, might have been wealth and long life and happiness and all kinds of stuff like that. But what Solomon said uh, was this, and you, you can read this in 1 Kings chapter 3. He said, I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. Well, if you read a little bit further, verses 11 to 13, that same chapter, the Lord was so pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom that he said, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I'll give you what you asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I'll also give, what you, give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. See, of all the things that you could possibly want or possibly think you need, wisdom matters most. Without wisdom, any other gifts we receive inevitably slip through our fingers. I mean, if you have money but don't have the wisdom to manage it, it'll be gone. If you have power without the wisdom to use it, you'll ultimately abuse it. If you're surrounded with great friends and family but don't have wisdom in developing relationships, you'll never appreciate the people God's placed in your life. In order for you to make proper use of everything that God wants to give you, Wisdom needs to come first. Settle it in your heart. I need, I want wisdom more than anything. In verses 3 and 4, Solomon said, Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Crow out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Solomon says that it needs to be a daily pursuit. Later in the chapter, in verse 34, he says, Joyful are those who listen to me watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. This is why a daily time alone with God is so important. When you spend time in the Word, with the Word, Jesus, you You build a foundation upon which you can base your decisions. You won't have to resort to flipping open your Bible and hoping a random verse has something to say, because the principles you've learned through your time in the Word and your constant daily contact with the Word made flesh Will determine how you deal with conflict and finances and life and on and on. If you want to fill your life with wisdom, put it on your calendar. And third, put it into practice. And I'm saying practice the principles of wisdom in every situation. You know, practice making things right. Practice doing things right. You know, while often we say practice makes perfect, perhaps we should say practice makes permanent. Wisdom says in verse twenty, I walk, and that's a continuous walk in righteousness and paths of righteous of justice. Wisdom is action wisdom in action is righteousness in action. Wisdom in action is justice in action. So the question we need to ask ourselves throughout the day is what good and righteous and justice filled action can I take at this moment? We need to ask ourselves which wisdom principle applies to this situation and how can I put it into practice? Do you know what I've discovered? Every moment of the day, there is a wisdom-based decision to make. What will I do with the next hour? What will I think about? What will I eat? What will I read or watch or listen to? What will I say to this person? What will I do in response to this situation? You know, wisdom in many ways is like a muscle. The more we use it, the stronger it becomes. To fully develop wisdom, we need to put it into practice at every opportunity. Now, earlier I talked about the playbook that coaches follow in game situations and how the playbook helps them design a game plan each week of the season. The success of the game plan depends on how good the game plan is. The success of the game plan depends on how good the playbook is. But, you know, it's the same in life. Everyone, every one of you that is listening to this message right now, for example, has a game plan, and every one of you is following a playbook. The real question is, which game plan? Which playbook? See, followers of Jesus have the ultimate playbook. It guarantees a successful game plan every time. And when you build your life on the principles of God's word, not just once in a while, but over the long haul, your life is blessed beyond measure. If you want an edge in life, I would say to you the same thing a coach would say to any new recruit. Learn the playbook. Make it your lifelong pursuit to know the Word, Jesus, and His Word so that you can become a doer of that Word. The quality of your life is a reflection of the quality of your wisdom. If you're not where you want to be right now, then you need to become better acquainted with the playbook. You do this on a daily basis, spending time alone with God and His Word every day of your life so that with every decision throughout every moment of the day, you can say, what would God's wisdom have me do in this situation? God bless you in doing the word.